NamNab is a podcast that deals with the grisly details of a variety of topics, including true crime cases, government cover-ups, conspiracies, and the paranormal. This content is not suitable for everyone. Viewer discretion is advised. She was murdered. Sup, my dudes? Welcome back. This is not a monster, not a boogeyman. I'm Naomi. I'm Janae. I'm Les. And today we are doing hopefully what is part two of a very long, long case. So I apologize for how long it is, if it is very long. Um, again, a lot of the warnings and trigger warnings were the same as last episode. If you didn't hear the last episode, this isn't going to make sense. So like no fucking sense, I you promise should you. listen to that one first. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, like I said, trigger warnings, same as last time. Um, we're talking about child sexual assaults a whole lot of shit that's illegal (laughs) it's very frustrating it it doesn't get too violent but it's still really disturbing so if that's kind of not really a cup of tea this morning or whenever you're listening to this then i'd say you know skip this one and maybe the next five episodes of our series (laughs) here yeah yeah so just a little reminder of where we left off last time um Essentially, Johnny Gosh's case was being swept under the rug by uh, police officials in Des Moines, Iowa, and a lot of other um, crimes and deaths resurfaced, or actually surfaced, shortly after, which kind of brought some more attention on Noreen's case, on her son's disappearance. Still took her a long time to get him um, to get categorized as a missing child rather than a runaway. Um, but yeah, we're at that point right now where it's like still fairly early in the timeline. Um, and so we're basically going to start with how police and law enforcement handled the Johnny Gosh, Gosh case, like a continuance of that. Um, so Noreen is starting to get a lot of national attention. Like she went on to TV, like with Good Morning America. And at that point, she just kind of kept doing that as a way to yeah inform people, but also to get a lot of information from viewers and Mm. a shit ton of shit comes out um oh yeah and i'm sorry we forgot to do this at the beginning but we have our guest from last time as well hello (laughs) (laughs) uh my name's naya and we're back yeah yeah she was on last time with us so um you know a lot of tips were flooding in and also being reported to the police station um, and then, you know, during that time, Noreen gets a call from the police department and um, Chief Orville Cooney at the time and pretty much was just told, like, why they didn't handle the case at first. And they were they basically explained that they didn't they weren't going to pursue searches like with hounds or, you know, put out a lot of search teams per police officers because they were literally instructed not to just a reminder this guy is the guy who literally was drunk at one of this these initial searches right yeah it was like correct don't fucking search for him he's just a runaway mm-hmm. correct it's like, kind of fucked up to say that to the family right so uh, with that 
Noreen continued to try to raise funding for her private detectives on the case, and they were hired and recreated the event and interviewed all the witnesses and created a profile sketch of the man in the car. Mm -hmm. So at this point, they were able to release that information to the public. And then Noreen was then invited to testify before the Justice Department, um, along with parents of other missing kids at the time, who Janae will love this. John yes. Walsh. John Walsh. John Walsh. <laughs> that's John how. Walsh. That's how Noreen and John Walsh met, like way prior to his um, show. Can you tell us a little bit about John Walsh's case? Like, what is that? Yeah. So his son was killed. Yeah. So his son was killed by Otis Tool. Uh, his six-year-old son went missing while they were out shopping one day. He was kidnapped in a blue van, and then they found his body. And then he obviously went on to do like. America's Most Wanted, those kinds of things, but other shows to help crime victims and helped develop the Center for Nas- the National Center for Exploiting and Missed- Missing Children. Children, which I'm sure you'll get to. Yes, with Noreen herself. And um, so essentially, I guess these parents were basically invited to not only go out before the Justice Department, but also record like their cases and explain all the details about them. Um, and Noreen was like presenting and she basically calls out the FBI and is like, you know, we're going to cut funding for them or we should cut funding for them if they're not going to look for missing uh, children. And then John Walsh was just like, what the fuck, lady? Like, who do you think you are in there? You know, that's the reason why they they received the $10 million to first out that was allocated to actually start the National Center of Missing Children. Missing okay. trouble, my notes say. Oh well. <laughs> Missing trouble. Missing <laughs> <laughs> Noreen was also invited to the White House um, while President Reagan was in reign. No, I'm just kidding. In 1983, <laughs> to pay for those private ingest- investigators, they sold over 450,000 candy bars God with damn. Johnny's face on them. <laughs> Um, and they started getting leads from like all over the country because of it. Um, she was Noreen was constantly in touch with senators to send messages to the FBI office in Washington. Because mm-hmm. apparently that's really the only way that you can um, basically get the FBI's attention to pursue a case is if your senator um, basically demands it. Oh, great. Okay. So the people in power determine what's important enough to look at. Right. At this point, like Noreen is just basically the hatred of a lot of people. She is saying stuff that is better to not be said on some people's accounts because it'll fuck them up. Mm -hmm. So one day from her telling the head of the FBI comes to visit her office um, with another agent and was like, you think you're pretty smart, aren't you? And she's like, uh, sure. what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you've been going through your senator, like acting like we don't know. And it's basically like, you know, what you may need to try is to have another kid to basically distract yourself from all of this and forget about Johnny because he's gone. Basically tells her that in her office and he didn't know her boss was like sitting um, around the corner and like heard it, mm-hmm. so he was like, basically the fuck out to these agents. Good. Um, stood up to her. Mm. For her. Yeah. Meanwhile, Noreen's just trying to gather information about the case and like new facts and stuff. So um, she's working with private investigators. There's one man that seems to have seen a van that was parked against 
traffic, so like the opposite direction, okay. and tells that to law enforcement, or well, to these private investigators. Law enforcement didn't ask shit. No, they don't care. Yeah. And then um, they also see a blue car and like basically something that was covered with a blanket transported between the cars. Hmm. At the time, he had no idea that it, there was a kidnapping at right. all. Yeah. Noreen it's thinks it was Johnny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, at this time, now that there's so much national attention, there's a lot of reporters who are also pretty much curious as, as to why the police haven't done anything about it. Mm-hmm. Noreen kept evidence away from the public so mm-hmm. that just in case... You know, if anyone were to step forward or confess about the crime, mm-hmm. they could know if they knew details that weren't shared with the public. Okay. Sense. Yeah. She had, like, private investigators right off the bat. So they, her private investigators um, interviewed everyone, all the boys, all these, pe- all these witnesses, right, that are saying, I saw this car. Mm-hmm. I heard this. Her investigators had notes of, of, of these statements before the FBI even started or got forced into doing something. Right. Is that really what they had? Like, they were forced to do something. And they complained about it the whole time they were out, too. They were like, this is some stupid shit. I don't even know why I'm here interviewing you. You know, this lady won't keep her mouth shut. It's just weird how, like, coordinated it is. Like, they have places where they meet up and then they, like, everything's so smooth. And that's just, like... Weird to me because it's like obviously it's the pedophiles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the pedophiles. Oh yeah, I thought you were talking about the FBI. I was like, the yes, well. they have agents everywhere. Even when you know this Cooney guy resigned, there was a a private meeting in somebody's fucking basement, which is illegal. Right. Um. Next day he resigns. So. Yeah, that was when he was like a bunch of information about the police department came out, but this it, right. car that was parked against traffic. That is not the first person who actually heard about that. This lady also reported seeing that car, but also that the car was um, had someone taking pictures of Johnny. Okay. So she reported it to the police, but the police were like, well, we really can't do anything about that. Like, it's not illegal to take pictures. It's not. No. It's not illegal to take pictures, and they can't, like, what are they going to do? Put it on the record? But anyway, because of their fucking no action on that, they didn't even take down a license plate number. The lady forgets. You know? Great. There's just, yeah. like, so many missed opportunities about it. But, yeah, in 1984 is when the FBI was forced to enter the case. Two years after he's been missing right. right he went missing in 1982 and this is two years later so in 1984 the johnny gosh law was also passed so that's basically saying like um that 72 hours shit is like bullshit you can't wait that long for someone yeah. to start looking for a child there no longer has to be Oh, like evidence, right? Like actual proof of like, oh my God, I saw some a child get kidnapped, right? It's right. just like they're missing. Right. Regardless yeah. of whatever fucking reason, peop- like we need to be looking for them. That's we need to exactly be putting right. out information of like what, when, who, right? Like mm-hmm. all these things. So that's what really started going. And I think there was like, at that time, a lot of states started to follow in that same footstep. And I think there was like very, <laughs> like I want to say one or two that were just like, no. No. They didn't <laughs> want to push that law. Mm-hmm. Well, and that <laughs> statement where Noreen is like, 
basically told to prove that her son is in danger. Right. I was going to actually say something about this. So, like, the the Johnny Gosh law is going to be different from, like, an Amber Alert, right? Where you have to prove your child is in danger to get an Amber Alert issued. Yeah. Which is not the same as just filing a missing persons case and having that looked into. Having an Amber Alert is very specific criteria. And and unless you can prove your child's in danger, they will not issue one. And, like, what are the reasons for an Amber Alert and how fast do they react to it? Like, you got a kidnapping, which can mean some things, right? Like, does a person you know kidnap them? Does that count, right? Yeah. In Colorado, it does. Yep. Yep. In other states, does it? Um. I'm pulling up the Amber Alert criteria right now. So the guidelines for issuing an Amber Alert, according to the FBI, is that there's a reasonable belief by law enforcement that an abduction has occurred. Law enforcement believes the child is in immediate danger of serious bodily injury or death. Um, Kid is under 17 years of age. That makes sense. Um, And that there is enough descriptive information to describe the child's to issue one but this is the issue that noreen had you know johnny was put down in the system as a runaway as we stated and they did that very purposefully yeah they did it took her three four months for her to have her child be changed from runaway to missing right yeah (laughs) right i also want to point out that amber alerts did not exist until after 1996 when a nine-year-old girl was abducted and murdered the case has never been solved so not too long before, you know, the bill, the law is passed, um, she gets a call and it's from Sam Soda. The sketch ass Sam Soda. <laughs> we don't He's know a lot about informant. Sam. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> um <laughs> And he's just uh, just knows a little bit of this side. He knows a little bit about that side, right? And he just tells her, hey, man, this is what's going to happen. Listen, <laughs> Noreen, there's going to be a kidnapping in Des Moines around the same time, you know, yada, yada, yada. These are the facts. Noreen is just, like, calling the news, right? She's just, like, trying to get. Because she tells the police. She takes him to the police. They don't give a fuck. They're like this crazy lady who just wants her kid back. That's all they see, I feel like. They're like, who the fuck is Sam Soda? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So then August 14th, 1984, another child goes missing, Eugene Martin. And he was also a paper boy. Literally same exact thing as Johnny Gosh. The exact, and the exact predict, like this person knew what they knew who the facts (laughs) we don't know exactly why he would tell that to noreen um he's not the only person that comes to her with this kind of valuable information um from her theory it's that there are a bunch of organizations out there right crime organizations doing all Mm -hmm. sorts of different things trafficking all kinds of different stuff Mm -hmm. but the mob does not traffic kids is the thing is what he said to her once this informant i think it was this one um so i don't know why Mm -hmm. or why that would be valuable because literally nothing happens anyway so you know for eugene and and this this is not to discourage you know the johnny but it's just to like look at look at the steps that were taken for then for eugene right so 
there were search parties, there was the canine searches, there was all these things, right? And there was a reporter who was just like, why? And it's not to, you know, discourage any, any of these parents, but it's mm-hmm. just like, that wasn't there for Johnny. Right. <laughs> why now? Why now? Police and also found zero connections between the cases. Don't Even they look identical to you? It was pretty identical. Everything was the same. Everything was the same. boys who were then, they were the first two boys later to be on the milk cartons. Yeah, right. so Johnny yeah. was yeah. one and then Eugene is the second and yeah. literally the same paper boy, same place in uh, Des Moines. I'm pretty sure it was the same paper route that Johnny took. Wow. Like That's ballsy. Every, because what does this mean? It's just taunting. a gross What does this ground. mean? Right, exactly. What does this mean? Hey, I run this shit. Yeah, basically. Yeah. We could and do I get to a power right. display. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And watch how no one will do. Because Noreen is on it, dude. She lets 2020 producer know before the kidnapping starts. And they just have the case right there. It's so sad. It's like, fuck. How could we have stopped this from happening? So Noreen files a $10 million lawsuit for the police department on negligence. Good Good for her. Good for her. Based off of this reporter who's like questioning, why the fuck wasn't that done for Johnny Gosh? Everyone sees it now. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And it was that next morning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they had an illegal meeting in the police department that was right. not notified to the press, which mm-hmm. is illegal. Where mm-hmm. Cooney resigns yeah. and... Instead of facing the lawsuit. <laughs> I know. The fucking disrespect that they just... The rules just don't apply. this woman <laughs> and let all of this just go untouched. They literally have, like... Nothing even to back up their fucking behavior. No. Um, Meanwhile, Noreen, of course, still ongoing investigations of her own. She would share as much information as she can with the police so that she can avoid any sort of accusations or being prosecuted for withholding information. Right. Um, But, you know, she has like this big web of people now under her. And the IRS is like, you guys have money. Uh, what are you doing? Right. Like, what is this? And they were like, well, in order to be a nonprofit organization, you actually have to show that you're helping other people, not just your kid. Because at the time, nonprofit organizations for a child who's gone missing is only available after they die. So it's only awarded nonprofit organization status if the child is already dead, not if they're missing. Um, and they d- and Noreen is just like on it, right? She's just building so much information, groups, organizing a lot of events um, to prove that she's nonprofit, right? Because under law, she has to be basically helping other people. <laughs> I love seeing a mom that actually gives a shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So she begins educating parents, right, and children after school stuff, little fucking seminars um, about child molesters what to look for where where to call right what to do if your child goes missing so she is just like pouring out as much help as she can she's she's in it she's trying to get change done Mm -hmm. um and john wash also helps her with the center of missing and exploited children she also just goes into um exactly how to point out the signs in a child so now we're at year 1986 so the police department receives a call from someone um letting them know 
probably a man from the mafia. <laughs> Again, they suspect <laughs> letting them know that there's been so a contract or a hit on Noreen. Yeah, because she won't shut up. Yeah. Right, because, right. Yeah. Right, what is she doing? This is like what? 1986, and the Franklin cover up is just two like years away from right being around exposed. the corner. Yeah, yeah. right she around was the really corner. Really close to it, too, because a lot of those <laughs> cases were overlapping. Yep, well, and she it's was so like close. protecting herself, too, by giving herself the amount of publicity that she was. That's kind of protecting you. I mean, she kind of had an inkling, too, you know. Yeah. This is huge. Yeah. You don't come out with information like this and not have a fucking target on your back. Oh, so absolutely. You know? she has, she's really good friends with John DeCamp. Yeah, who writes the Franklin cover-up later. And so he's kind of her, like, right-hand go-to. Whenever she senses something, ooh, we're going to get into something real weird later on, too. He's also Whenever an attorney. something weird, she just gives him his call, and he's like, all right, here's what you do. I'm John DeCamp. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a badass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so essentially this hit, this word that they request for her to be um, brought to a different state. I think it was Iowa. No, wait, wait, wait. We're in Iowa. No, yeah. it was Nebraska. I think it was. Interesting choice. Yeah. They ask her to go there to meet them in this hotel room. And the FBI is like, you should do it, Noreen. Go. Because they want her to be yeah, killed. Like, basically. Go get murdered. <laughs> that sounds yeah. great. The, her police department's like, but if she even steps off of the train, like she could be hit. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So they're like, no, we have to put in some agent or another police officer instead of Noreen. So they do. Um, <laughs> this lady goes. She does the whole shebang. She meets them. And then they arrest the guy that she meets there for 10 years. He was going to kill her. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's it. There we go. <laughs> A murderer. Taken care of. <laughs> do they know who the hit man was? They reveal that That's information. Inconclusive. There's just so. <sighs> there's a lot of stupid do yes, little <laughs> glitches going on here. The <laughs> FBI were like, "Damn it, we were supposed to get Noreen to go. Now this guy is just some <laughs> random guy that has to go to jail." Shit. So, 1988. So they're probably ahead on you. Oh, is this right? Yeah, that was yeah. the year. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. 1980 children come out in Omaha, Nebraska. About their experiences to be forced into a child pornography ring. Yes, by Mr. Larry King. Not just him. I'm going to cover a shit ton of details about that. So we're not going to really cover too much about it. The only thing we're going to cover about that is Paul Benassi. Yep. That's how I'm going to stick with his name pronunciation, all right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really do think that the reason that happened, that children came forward and there was more attention on the case, was also because of Noreen's, like, and all the yeah. people on her side's efforts to kind of get the word up and going. Yeah. And now you get a lot of people in law enforcement who are like, I'm not going to choose to cover this up with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, Paul Benassi was charged with perjury, which is why he was arrested, right? He tries to come forward and talk about um, some of his experiences. I think he's arrested for different reasons, too. Like, he's arrested on his own. Yeah. Yeah, he's in jail by this time. For sexual crimes, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because he was forced to partake in these things. Right. Exactly. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as well. And that's when he basically starts saying a bunch of names of the people that he claims to have been abducted by and abused by. I happen to believe him, and so does the court on a later hearing. 
but he names Robert Rodman. Remember that guy? <laughs> Police chief of Omaha, Nebraska that we mentioned earlier, who was like, I want to help you so much, Noreen. So Rodman go, he, he's in prison. <laughs> and while in prison, he tells his attorney he was actually in the car the day Johnny was kidnapped. Wait, Wadman says this? Yeah. Wadman. Rub, Robert this isn't reported because it was off the record, I think, from with his attorney in jail. Well, yeah, it's, like it's, it's his attorney. Right, does, yeah. client attorney privilege and the like. <laughs> but he said that. <laughs> he said it. Hmm. Um, so no yeah. fucking fear. No. He helped kidnap Johnny. And Paul also confesses um you know being being there that day that johnny got kidnapped knowing um the whole procedure before johnny got kidnapped right the whole plan Bonazzi confesses to this he you know is able to recognize and identify several people <laughs> and from what right to start it was robert wadman he draws pictures and remembers names. And he even had, I think he had a role in the kidnapping, which was just to keep Johnny in the back, which sucks. Yeah, like keep him down, essentially. When Paul came out and confessed, right, he didn't get anything out of it. He they still served his sentence. Yeah. Yeah. He reduced his years. Yeah. They didn't do shit. They He's literally do just shit. doing a kindness on for exactly. police investigators right now exactly. and for Noreen. Like he was even in a documentary to talk about mm-hmm. a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, and it, that's a key sign that Noreen tried to explain to parents and stuff was that it's kids that you should warn your other kids about. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately. Right. They're using children to kidnap other children. Mm-hmm. And worse yeah. sometimes. Right. In Paul's literally. case it was. Right. Right, he <sighs> later on tells Noreen some very deep stuff, right? Um, but it was because Paul was forced. Mm-hmm. There was no other, there was like, there's not an option. I know, it's do this or you're dead. Yeah. So he's asked a bunch of questions about this, right? And is like, well, why, you know, how did you know that it was going to happen? Paul explains, well, they came to Des Moines, Iowa before the kidnapping happened. He explains that a cameraman, which I'm sure you know who, who my money is on. Ah, uh-huh. You know who my money is yep. on. Came to Iowa and saw Johnny and took pictures in a van. And he also explains that the van was also parked against traffic, which was never released also. So just to keep you reminded, people keep saying that Paul is discredited as a witness, which is bullshit, because there's been a lot of evidence that he knows that was not released to the public and was completely true. Was there a description of the photographer or anything? Yes, that lady that we mentioned who took it to the police and they were just like, we can't do anything about that. That's not illegal. She well, she threw away the license plate number, remember? Oh, okay. And apparently this happens often in like these times. For some reason, in the 70s and 80s, there's just a bunch of nasty fucking yes. pervert yeah. photographers yes. left and right just being like, can I take weird pictures it's of you? It's seriously yeah. such a problem in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> I like straight rampant. up don't understand. Yes. And there was no prosecution on that kind of stuff, which is weird. No. Like, there should be. Moves with the times, moves with the technology. In jail, 
Paul Benassi continues to just describe more things, and he describes this photographer, um, the man who took pictures of Johnny, and <laughs> it's Rusty Nelson. <laughs> we think it's Rusty Nelson. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly if he said, but I think he probably did. Right? He identifies him, right, because then Rusty identifies Josh John Senior. So like, yeah, it's Rusty Nelson. Interesting. Because who? Right. Because then you know, Rusty is just like this great photographer. Right. He makes my stomach turn. Right. Right. And people know. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry King is with Russ Rusty. You know, they see him. This is his employer. Yep. We'll talk about that right. more so in Franklin. Paul describes that that day. Um, Johnny's head was pushed first into the car and his job was to keep him down. And then they were taken to a farmhouse in Iowa for the next two weeks where Johnny was drug raped and photographed. Both of them were mm-hmm. just wanted to finish that up. And yes, he does talk about Rusty Nelson provides a description for him. And, um, Is so, oh yeah. Paul also the one where they were in that wood cabin yeah, and carved in their initials into the wood. Yep. Yeah together yep. and like if you go there you do see it yep yeah they yeah. show it in the where's johnny documentary they yeah. take him out there and he shows it to yeah. you colorado, the right here. it's in colorado yeah. 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 yeah so i'm like i don't at that point you're no one's making that up yeah paul was asked why they chose johnny and he basically just explained that it was because of his looks doesn't he always also talk about like good family too like he, that he's from yeah, a good family c- or right, something it's just like the, um the main objective of taking away a child right is yeah. the effect it has on the parent and like the the family right and like how that looks like for some reason for these people they it seems to like tickle their pickle i don't know like mm-hmm. they just get off on it um mm-hmm. they were like that was one of yeah paul does say so Paul says some very radical things, I would say, not unrealistic to me, but he does explain that, and Doreen mentions this in her book too, that the kids were, there was like a system of abuse with this funneling program mm-hmm. where it's almost like MK Ultra tactics were also used and um, there was brainwashing. drugs, brainwashing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah, kids yeah. who were part of um, families, yeah. like nice families like quote-unquote good kids those ones suffered more Mm -hmm. and were easier to abuse where kids who were kind of like from a rough background were harder to abuse and get kind of accustomed and brainwashed they've already been traumatized Mm -hmm. they're no longer this pure Mm -hmm. angel which is such a (laughs) fucked up way to think because they were all pure angels they were all i of think them. it's also important to point out that paul gets discredited a lot because he has right. dissociative identity exactly. disorder yeah. because of the yeah. abuse he experienced right. yeah, yeah. We'll it's literally a direct scale. side effect of the trauma he experienced well not only that it's just a very opportunistic way for his abusers to just discredit him altogether oh yeah, yeah. and they do it to these kids all the time oh, this is a common time. diagnosis with people who've yeah. experienced this, this exact abuse, abuse. Yes. Yeah. This, this one this abuse yeah yes Paul's even able to tell you how much they were paid to take Johnny, who bought Johnny, and of course confesses to Noreen in the court that he was the first man to molest Johnny. Yeah. Ugh. He was about 18 
at the time he came out with these confessions. So when Paul's in court, this is like towards the end of the um, the 80s, and Noreen finds out um, that Johnny and two other boys escape from North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're on the loose, right? They are on the run, and one of these boys, um, they go... <laughs> They go back home to Milwaukee. His name is Jimmy. And Jimmy's parents were like, oh, he's back, right? We never actually put a missing report on our kid because this happens so he's a much. habitual runaway. Right. He was just like, oh. always runs away, comes back. But this time, comes back, right? So they're with Jimmy's parents, you know, in the house. They get some sleep. They get some rest. And Johnny at this time, um, his hair has been dyed. And he is in his early... Yeah, he would have been like 20 or 21. He also right. goes by the name Mark. At right, time. he goes by Mark. Um, um, so they're at Jimmy's house, and they stay for two days. And since the boys are still on the loose, um, Johnny leaves. And, you know, Jimmy's father doesn't realize who Mark is, right, that the, the, this is Johnny, despite it being so very... Um, popular like on the news you know and people who were hearing about this um he didn't realize it and called Noreen you know and was like if I would have known mm-hmm. that your child was here right like this was your boy um you know and yeah who, you know Johnny was just like yeah 21 22 yeah not that far his, right he died his hair had been dyed there had been different um, things done to both boys to like change their their um, appearance. Yeah, hide their identity, right? right? People ask all the time why the kids wouldn't have left, and that's part of what Paul describes too. He was able to sue his perpetrators, by the way, um, in a lawsuit that is directly related to Janae's case, and also what Naya mentioned earlier. Naya. Um, so, anyway, what I was going to say is people kind of ask why these kids don't leave even if they're at that age um mostly because they were brainwashed as kids to scare them (laughs) um also they were branded in this particular ring um yeah so and i just want to add then there's also the addiction that's forced on them a Mm -hmm. lot of time so they Mm -hmm. become dependent on their abusers Mm -hmm. and that's a that's a common thing unfortunately in these uh, situations of like getting them addicted to a substance Mm -hmm. kids that were taken were maybe 10 or 12 yeah no formal education they just know that they're constantly in danger fear yeah Yeah. all right so we're gonna end this part of part two (laughs) Mm -hmm. um now come back next week for the remaining and hopefully conclusion of this whole case uh, if you want to see some pictures from this case, go check out our Instagram at notaboogeyman. If you want to see the blog post for this, it'll be on namnab.com. So look at some pictures and see the text if that helps you. Also, if you want some uh, exclusive content, not in a dirty way, um, <laughs> join our Patreon. <laughs> Maybe in a dirty way sometimes. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. No, but you should join our Patreon. There's cool stuff there. Yeah, and we'll have even more cool stuff when we have more people who want to hang out with us. So we want to do like live Q and A's and do our makeup and stuff. Yeah, hang out with you guys. Yeah, play video games. Get to know your hosts that you listen to all the time. Yeah, we have a bunch of little emo kids. Come on, we do have some really great Patreons right now too. 
that are like really invested in our podcast. So thank you. I appreciate them. Come back next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.